guaranteed not to be interrupted by Lance Stroll, welcome back to Motorsport 101. Whatever timing works is fine. I'll leave, I'll leave that to King and the Magical Power to decide if he, whether he wants to meta my own pole open or not. But, uh... Hi gang, welcome to episode 306 of Motorsport 101, I am your friendly neighbourhood host Dre Harrison and you're getting this episode live as we're recording here on Friday night, personally in my case from West London and from all over here, Scotland and the United States, but uh, thanks to everyone that's tuning in on YouTube, um, let's just say you've been a very patient bunch um, and we are very grateful for that, so uh, thank you sincerely for sticking around. Um, and welcome to what we're calling Classic Season here on Motorsport 101, uh, where we talk and break down all of the fun stuff from Monaco. we got Mugello's MotoGP, we'll be talking about that next week, um, as well as the Indy 500. And of course, that will feature heavily on this week's edition of the show as we, of course, talk about qualifying and the dreaded bump day, making its return for the first time in two years. But uh, in the meantime, we'll introduce our, our esteemed panel. First of all, Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hello. I've been uh, bashing away trying to get everything to work for this episode. King, it we was got a them. valiant effort. It really was. It wasn't through lack of trying. Like one day, uh, maybe on Patreon, in, my, in, in, in the show notes, I'll say exactly how much of an unmitigated disaster <laughs> the last. The better part of two hours have been, but we've got there. The last, um, the last 72 hours have been some yeah. of the darkest in the history <laughs> yeah. of the Motorsport 101 oh. community. It, it's, been, it's been tricky, but we got there in the end. That's the most important thing. Cam, talk to me. How's it going? Uh, it's going okay. Um, I have gigabit internet now. You and have, it's the, the fucking internet. best! I have the fastest have the- internet on the podcast! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boston over New York again. What's up? (laughs) He's not been smug about this at all for the last two hours since he's had it installed, I promise. He's not Uh, mentioned it at all. You've never seen anyone install a router faster because uh, I had to get home from work, grab the router, run to the Comcast store, have my plan upgraded, and then come home and install it all in time to... uh, get on my computer and realize that our streaming and uh, video platform <laughs> took a massive dump everywhere. And that was only like the third highest ranking technical problem we've had in the last two hours, uh, which, which is crazy. And that one worked out relatively faultlessly. Um, sadly, RJ's with us. He's, he's, he's traveling as we speak at the moment. But we drafted in a wonderful replacement, our favorite super sub. She hasn't been here for almost a year and a half, amazingly. Over 80 episodes, thanks to Jason for filling us in on that one. But we're very happy to welcome back the lovely Zoe Hamilton. Hello, Zoe. Hello. I'm pleased to announce that I'm currently sober. <laughs> <laughs> don't, be- Honestly, don't believe the way, <laughs> the way tonight has gone, honestly, there would have been no promises on this information. No, no. Uh, <laughs> we, we run for a second because my night went from zero to 100 real quick because, like, okay, but I got everything set up for the stream tonight. Gonna show up like 15 minutes early to make sure everything works. Then I check our uh, Discord server where we do all the production chat. I glance mm. at the phone. And it's like, 
Dre's like, King, do you have a link for Zoe? And I'm like, wait, Zoe's gonna be on the show tonight? I have everything set up for three people because I knew RJ was gonna be here. Hey, King, you said you wanted more we, guests on. <laughs> well, it's it, it's one of those things, you know, we uh, we at the Motorsport 101 Discord, uh, $10 on Patreon if you want to join the supporters club. Uh, we often have very, very eccentric late night conversations, sometimes over sports, sometimes over um, watching King backflip and over end in an indie car, and sometimes things get talked about in those conversations. <laughs> that we don't remember the next day for <laughs> various alcohol-related reasons. Uh, I didn't drink at all during Indy qualifying. <laughs> um, Zoe might have done. Um, especially if you remember her allegiances to certain drivers in the IndyCar field, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. It may have been a famous 500 replay that we may have featured on the show a couple of years ago. Just throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> but I was drunk mean- before the fifth car had qualified. <laughs> says it all um, in this episode, episode 306 we're going to talk about the Monaco Grand Prix and most imp- uh, most importantly the two unmitigated disasters at the front of the field one involving a car in red and another one involving a car in silver as the car in purple went whoa, off and took a large deposit silver? so what black. year is this? Well, black. black no, AMG, 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 AMG it yeah, is I've black heard- trademark <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah. it's yes. Enios Black. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed that important detail. I, I forgive me. That was unprofessional of me. I apologize. But yes, one car in black, Enios Black, and red. Um, and uh, we'll talk about those varying degrees of disaster. Um, and Cam may or may not piss himself laughing. Um, <laughs> um, that, and then we'll talk about Indy 500 qualifying as well. We'll be talking about Scott Dixon qualifying on pole for the fourth time in his career. Some shocking names in the last row shootout. One team's collective struggle, and a look at the rule book. Because who doesn't love a look at the rule book on this show? Because there was some interesting interpretation of the rules that were used throughout throughout the weekend as well, which is bound to come up as well. But get the housekeeping out of the way. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 right now. Um, thanks if you're watching. If you're watching, leave a like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Thanks thanks for tuning in. Um, Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you'd like to follow our handles uh, personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at Buckley 917 and at WeZoe if you want to follow Zoe on Twitter. She's a very keen indie car writer as well. She occasionally blogs about it, but generally tweets about it a lot as well. It's all, and do seven drunking games. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to say. I will have one. I will have one. I will have one set up. So you know, if you want to take part in the 500 drinking game, um, all I say is good luck, and uh, they say I'll wipe out big balls. Um, so have fun with that if you haven't already. Um, so you can follow Zoe on Twitter over there if if you haven't already. Please do give her a good Motorsport 101 bump. That'd be lovely. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Motorsport. Uh, sorry, Motorsport 101 Pod, I should say. Thank you very much. And our website Motorsport101.com. But if you really really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Gets you early access to all of the audio versions of the show. You can upgrade to the ten dollar version to get video early access, as well as access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes, 
live as they're being recorded. Shout out to Kelly, Daniel, Vic, Joseph, Aaron was in the live. He actually did donate on the super chat as well. Very generous of you. We completely did not deserve it at all, <laughs> despite the technical problems. Very generous of you, Aaron. Thank you very much. Shout out to everyone that's watching along on YouTube. Much, much appreciated. Hope you guys enjoyed the next hour or so. Um, but uh, mm. do check us out on there if you haven't already. Like I said, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101. So without further ado, we'll get into the Monaco Grand Prix. You know things are wild when this uh, the, the section of the episode is titled Mercedes Post-Nut Clarity. <laughs> Without a doubt, the worst weekend of the 2021 season so far for the silver, or should we say black arrows. Not only did Max Verstappen steamroll the field to a comfortable win without challenge, Lewis Hamilton struggled in qualifying, then lost multiple places due to an ineffective undercut to finish 7th, Unfortunately for Valtteri, who placed the car third in qualifying, was running second at the time, his first pit stop involved his right front wheel nut being stripped of all of its splines during the first pit stop, refusing to come off of his car and causing a freakish DNF. It was on the car until Tuesday. Tuesday 43 hours later. (laughs) (laughs) Germany 2019 ain't got shit on this pit stop. (laughs) No. With Sergio Perez also finishing P4, Red Bull gained a 30-point swing on Mercedes and have taken the lead in both championships for the first time since 2013. To get a gauge on how Lewis Hamilton was feeling after the race in an interview with Ziggo Sports, he said that he had no lessons to take from this weekend, but the team definitely did. How big of a blow was this in the title fight for Mercedes? Uh, this is a bad look. I'm in the camp. I'm in the camp where it's like, it's longest season ever. It's Monaco. This race, by definition, is an outlier. Maybe things will be fine. We'll see after Baku. <laughs> Yeah, what I would say to this one is it's the first real heavy blow this season that a team has, has dished out over the course of this season. Um, I don't think we've had a swing as big as 30 points at any weekend so far this year. Um, Mercs, I've always said Mercs have a knack of being good for like one bad round. Like one truly devastatingly bad round every year, um, which is ironic because Netflix was in the Ferrari camp this weekend. Um, more on that yet, in a minute. Because, yeah, more on that in about ten minutes' time. But um, as King alluded to, it's it's a twenty-three, maybe twenty-two race season. I mean, if you've been reading the travel news lately, uh, things could be a bit up and down over the next couple of weeks. We'll have to wait and see. But it's. It's not a massive blow because it's still relatively close between them in the championship right now. It's just all the work that Mercs have put in over the last two rounds, rounds that they may not have won on another day, has been wiped out by this weekend. And that's a shame because Mercs was just starting to get a little bit of breathing room in both championships, and that's now effectively gone. I I'm I kind of fall in the middle on this because really we don't see Mercedes go through this very often. As you said, maybe once a year at a stretch, maybe two. 
But we also have to remember, they were really lucky to get away with what happened at Imola with one car ending up in an airplane crash, the other one in a gravel trap, bailed out by the red flag, and then being able to cut through the field because Lewis Hamilton is Lewis Hamilton. Hmm. The thing I wasn't expecting at this stage of the season is that if you look at the two teams, Red Bull's biggest mistake has really been being too passive, not going for the kill when needed, not matching Mercedes uh, strategically. Mm. Mercedes has thrown two race weekends right into the bin so far this year. Imola and here. I wasn't expecting that. I honestly figured it would be Red Bull maybe going for the bigger swings and the bigger misses so far. And uh, all week, they seemed to be pretty happy with the car on Thursday, but once conditions cooled off, they went on the wrong side of that temperature window, and there was nothing they could do about it. Yeah, it is it's funny because... I think part of that is because we've never seen Mercedes really in this position before in this hybrid era, where it's like Ferrari was close, but Kimi Raikkonen was never on the same level. It's very similar to what Red Bull is at now, where it's like they've got one great driver who's able to challenge Hamilton and be a genuine fawn in the side of the Mercedes team, and the other one's lagging behind. This was the first weekend, really, this season where Sergio Perez was brought into play and was able to score chunky points for Red Bull by finishing fourth and coming into play because he started ninth. Um, so, yeah, it's actually Mercs that have had two heavily below-par weekends by their standards, and yet still relatively okay championship-wise. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal they're behind in both major areas. This is the first time Max Verstappen has ever led a single-seater championship in his career. Um, but it's only first time Mercedes four, hasn't, four the first time Mercedes mm. hasn't led the Constructors since Germany 2018. Christ. It's been a long old road. And, uh, man, that no-blame culture at Mercedes went right out the window in Monaco. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the second the second point on this was point. was Ham was Hamilton right to be so disgruntled at his team because uh, Hamilton was not happy at all. Said the weekend sucked balls on his Instagram account after the race, as mentioned. Told told Dutch media that uh, the team had lessons to take away from it and not him. I mean, King was he right to be so dis disgruntled? Because I have a take on this that's a bit bold. <laughs> Uh, I, I genuinely don't know. Like, it, it's almost like we're making assumptions about what the team is and isn't doing, mm -hmm. and we can't be 100% sure, just like all we have is what the team tell us, which, mm. again, could be biased one way or the other. Sure. I mean, I mean a lot of it is... Yeah, go on, sorry. I mean, like... You consider how many times when, like, Mercedes have used the pit stops to their advantage. When, like, for Lewis, when was the last time that a pit stop hasn't either resulted in going ahead or being in a position to then overtake whoever he was fighting against at the time? Emily, like, Emily, Emily, this year. Uh, when they botched a pit stop true. and... 
put him under a little more a little more stress that eventually resulted in him pushing a little too hard through traffic mm-hmm. and ending up in the wall. Mm-hmm. But no, I totally I totally agree with your point, Zoe. Mm-hmm. I'm the problem for Mercedes fundamentally this weekend is that they couldn't get enough temperature in the front tires to really attack for a lap. Now, as King and I have discussed in the last few days, Mercedes always runs the long wheelbase car, and it's a great it's a jack of all trades and a master of most. But it's always been a little bit a little bit lanky here, a little bit unwieldy of a weapon around you know, really twisty, <coughs> slow tracks. And the systems that Mercedes has engineered to get around that, their push rod on upright suspension in 2019, and then DAS last year, well, they're either no longer unique or banned entirely. Yeah, and to add to that, I mean, it was a much bigger problem for Hamilton this weekend. Bottas was on the other side of the temperature control gauge, and so to speak. Hamilton struggled even more than Bottas did to get heat into his tyres. He was, you know, he qualified in in sixth, and you know, at least Bottas was able to get so seventh. Sorry, seventh. Thanks. Um, yeah, he said he was on row four. Bottas is, is at least, you know, third, and obviously promoted to second. And we'll talk about why very shortly. And Bottas was still at least on for a podium finish, maybe fourth at worst. Um, and Hamilton struggled and then was put on a bad pit strategy. James Volks took responsibility for the call and said, yeah, this one was on me. My bad. Like two weeks the after overcut, the sport. It, yeah, the overcut's yeah. always going to be more powerful around Monaco unless you're on like 2013-esque tires. Yeah, and it was obvious to the field that going long was the way to go. Um, and, you know, it, this one didn't work out. I found it funny because, like, days after F1's media um, celebrates and goes deep and deep dives on Mercedes' brilliant call at Catalonia to go to a two-stopper and go for the win that way, and they broke it all down, and we all saw it in detail all over F1 TV, and then literally days later, they botch a sitter, and it ended up costing Hamilton two spots during the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he was beaten on the overcut by Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gasly, who, on paper, are in much weaker machinery. Um, so When's this the last was... time a Mercedes couldn't undercut an Alpha Tauri or, God forbid, an Aston Martin? <laughs> but the bigger uh, the bigger um, point of contention that Lewis had with the team over the course of the week, or the course of uh, Saturday, really, he demanded a setup that would let him get heat into the tires. But the Mercedes was just too hard on its tires around here. Mm. You, they couldn't get enough energy in, and it... What that meant is that they were sliding around, destroying the surface of the tires. Not dissimilar to what Ferrari had with their 2019 car. Mm. Lewis very publicly threw the team under the bus about not letting him pick the setup he wanted. But in the mm. race, Bottas's tires melted. Yeah. He overcooked him, and if his race had gone to plan, like we saw with the wheel nut there was a risk that Carlos Sainz could have hit him on the overcut. Maybe even Lando Norris, who was running P4 at the time. Mm-hmm. 
there was a risk of, of, of Valtteri suffering the same fate that uh, Hamilton did um, in that race. But of course, that didn't matter because we all know what happened at that pit stop. Um, and that's just it. Like the, this is the first time in, geez, since 2018 where we go into a, a race looking at Mercedes thinking, there, there's really no path to victory for them this weekend. Mm-hmm. It was no. trying to limit as much damage as possible, and that damage was done. We haven't really talked about it because uh, there wasn't really much to say. Max Verstappen had a nice Sunday drive around the Principality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy, easy win. Never really challenged. Carlos Sainz tried to throw the house at it, and every time he tried, Verstappen was had it under control, was mm-hmm. never really challenged the whole way through. And uh, yeah, it led it, it it led to a one of the most comfortable wins of Verstappen's young career. Um, I say young; he's had 101 races at Red Bull, but here we are. Um, <laughs> but um, we've put it off no longer. There. <laughs> 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 it's I can't see Campbell Riverside right now, so I have no idea he was about to start bursting out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, let's talk about Ferrari. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ferrari, how did you blow this one? No, seriously. Uh, Ferrari probably should have won the win, and maybe even two cars on the podium. Charles Leclerc qualified on pole, but then wrecked at the swimming pool at the end of Q3. And I can't believe I'm going to read this next sentence out on my script, but it says, and I quote, Ferrari ignored the opposite side of his damaged car when checking the drivetrain, and when leaving for the sighting lap, had a shock-induced left drive shaft failure, causing a heartbreaking and rare did-not-start for the hometown hero. At least Carlos Sainz spared some <laughs> blushes for the prancing horse with second place, his, his first podium for Ferrari. And the, I had to put a funny one in here for the question quote. On a scale of 1 to 10, how big a fuck-up was this for Ferrari? Um, 11. I, I would I like mean, to it was take, pretty nice that they were allowed like to, to leave the country. <laughs> um, Dre, I would go to your scale for this. This was a are you fucking kidding me out of 10 <laughs> fuck-up. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. You know... Ferrari... We're legitimately the fastest team around here. Their car was fantastic in slow corners. The power deficit wasn't coming into play, and Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz both look like threats for pole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, you you have to pin some elements of this on Charles because if it wasn't for his accident in Q3, this would not have been a problem at all. But even so, you expect the team to check the car properly. I mean, look, break curfew for your one. You have your one curfew break for the year if you have to, because you are not. You're not going to get a no, Dre. This wasn't yeah. even a matter of curfew or time limitations. Yeah, they had the time. They had yeah, the they time. They had the time. No, no, no. They, their checklist for a crash like this does not involve the other side of the car. You, you now, know the gif where... You, go ahead, Zoe. You oh. know the gif of the the um, steward like inspecting the football fans going in where he kind of just goes like that? That was basically it. That is basically <laughs> that was, what Ferrari yeah. did. Oh. 
they yeah. went fine we're ready <laughs> yeah if you un- if you know a little bit about racing cars and you know how different components are affected by shock you know the gearbox is one of the most sensitive sensitive parts of the car especially if you have a broadside with the wall on one side mm. and that shock transmitted to the other side of the car broke actually the left rear uh, wheel hub which then took out the drive shaft but it's it's absurd to me <laughs> that they that's not even a part that you're limited on yeah, you can they, change that however many times you want during the year what are they ferrari are they worried they're gonna run out of money <laughs> <laughs> then that, that's never a problem for the prancing horse they will they oh spend my. 300 million a year on car development until now and look so at where like, it's going look at where it's going <laughs> it, was like, it was it was all hubris it was like ah uh, charles is gonna get his win he's gonna it's like it's gonna be it's the 90th anniversary of louis Cheron's monaco grand prix win it's special it's in, the, it's, it's in the it's in the history books it's charles race nothing's gonna he's stop gonna have this. dinner with the, the the crown prince oh yeah he'll get to say to his bum that he's had dinner with the prince <laughs> yeah yeah this, this this was gonna be perfect this, this was gonna be the most perfect Hometown win on the streets of Monaco, and Ferrari have the most embarrassing goof-up I can think of in F1 for a long, long time. That's 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 basic shit. How do you screw that up? Honestly, I, I, I just... Like, I remember distinctively being on Discord when that... I, I wasn't even, like, in it directly, because I was at work when this race was going on. And I saw the reaction when, I think it was an interview with Matteo Bonotto where he admitted they did not check the other side of the car. And I swear to God, I I almost dunked my head in my workshop toilets out of shock. (laughs) I was just like... I I was in a car. How? I know, King, you can attest to it. I (laughs) laughed for about 15 minutes. Supporter (laughs) of the show, Sasha, came in... Didn't believe me at first, and then had a genuine mental breakdown. In the yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just this is basic. This is basic checking your homework ability for a team of this size. I remember watching when I was very very little, an Audi R8 lose a tire at Le Mans. Mm. The Audi R8 was very famous for its quick change gearbox. That even if the gearbox wasn't a problem, you could just yank the whole thing out in about three and a half minutes, sometimes less, and just drop a new one in. How did you not think that the shock of a broadside with the wall wasn't going to affect the other side of the car? I I just... I... Like I, 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 I before Maybe this recording, work different in Italy. Maybe like, they do. <laughs> honestly, like I was looking at the script for this, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, "Is there any mitigating factor that could spare Ferrari's blushes at all here?" And I could not think of one. It really is that bad. It's like it's Formula One's version of the Dominic Cummings leak. It's just. Mm-hmm. No, it really is that bad. It really they really were that incompetent and they've cost themselves twenty five points and a famous victory. Oh my god, they 
I, I'm not so sure if they would have won that race because of the power of the overcut, but minimum two cars on the podium. Minimum. And given that Ferrari are the clear three slash four team in the field, they're not going to get a better chance to win a Grand Prix this no. season. This this no, was an no, open there goal. There is no other Monaco. Uh, you might get close. You might fight for another couple of podiums, but you're not going to have a chance at a win with this car. Maybe well, Singapore. Well, at least we don't have to if worry about happens. losing that bet. We don't have to worry about yep. losing that you know, bet. Uh, you know, Mattia Bonotto, I've said a lot of really mean things about you in the past, and um, I still stand by them. But thank you for saving me from watching Driven. <laughs> my my gratitude is eternal. Maybe one day, hundreds of years from now, when we're all transplanted into robot bodies, I might cr- root for your team again. <laughs> but for now, a small token of gratitude. So, so on, on, before we move on, on a scale of one to ten, how nervous were you, fellas? Oh, why well, was terrified? Yeah, yeah. Once, once, uh, <laughs> once Leclerc stuffed into the wall and no one else could get Paul, I was like, "Oh shit, this is over. We're gonna have to watch Grim. <laughs> We're gonna have to watch these fucking Grim." <laughs> Oh I, I, I still love my, my favorite description I heard in regards to Charles spinning it was he tried to do a Schumacher but dumb. Oh, <laughs> he, he Verstappen yeah. did. For oh. those who, yeah, for those who hadn't seen it, a carbon copy of what Verstappen did in 2018 <laughs> took a little too much out of the swimming pool and Straight snapped on. the uh, right front yeah, pushrod. Yeah. Wow, we and actually just had to talk about that. That was an actual uh, part of the set list. I yeah. I want to go get drunk. And now, now the FIA is considering changing the regulations to disallow uh, laps. Well, disallow drivers' fastest laps if they bring out a red flag. Complete overreaction. Like, this, this is I, not like a problem. Think, I, I'd like to think if Leclerc was trying to deliberately stop qualifying, he would have crashed a little less hard. Mm-hmm. Or just parked it in Mirabeau as they mentioned it to Nico Rosberg on the Sky Sports F1 broadcast. <laughs> but a- admittedly, it- it's a lot easier to bring out a red flag in IndyCar mm-hmm. than in Formula 1, because yeah. in Formula 1 you rarely ever see a red flag, especially in qualifying. No, rarely. You- you've got to basically damage an air fence for a red flag so, to come yeah. out, and that just doesn't happen in qualifying very like, often. It's... <laughs> That, that's why I don't see it as being an overreaction, because even if it does go into place, like, this would be the only instance where it would apply. Yeah, yeah, like, because you, you just don't see it in that case. And I'm like, that FIA, this this isn't really an issue, so if you want to put it in there, fine, you're just never going to end up using it, because this is, like, this is a unicorn. We've seen this, like, maybe two or three times in the last decade where someone's brought out a red flag in qualifying, and normally that's only because of a safety violation, like an air fence has gone up or something like that, or there's damage to a barrier or, what, or something. Si- since they put in the standing restart rule after red flags, how many times we use that? Once? Once, I think. Yeah, I'm, like, it's it's not really an issue, um, personally. But hey, if you want to put it in, fine, I suppose. Mm. But, um... You know, like in IndyCar, they're very red flag happy. If something that's if there's a car in a gravel trap or in the wall, they'll put out the red flag almost immediately. Um, so it's it's I think the culture of how they use their flags make it very different compared mm. from Formula One to IndyCar. 
Um, so that's a, a, a bit of a strange one from the FIA that this is the one where they're going to consider red flags in qualifying. But uh, yeah, not really an issue. But uh, small side <laughs> note: uh, mm. Charles Leclerc has not finished or started a race. Uh, he has either DNF or DNS in every Monaco race <laughs> since 2010. Yes, 2010. I did find that fact out. Where the last time that Charles had finished the race here was in the Monaco Kart Cup, which he had won his class. class win. No, my my favorite start was the one that Charles informed us of on WTF1's Instagram account, which is when Carlos Sainz gets a podium, Lewis comes seventh, and Car and um, Charles and a Red Bull family. Yeah. Oh, I. It's just. It's one of those arbitrary stats where you think, huh. <laughs> so this is uh, Mercedes' weakness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Carlos signs podium. Good for him, man. Like, man Carlos signs podium and Charles Clark DNFing. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to fall. Also, them. yeah, shout out to those two. Like, we, we had a bit of uh, the old Norris signs bromance on the podium, so that, that got a chuckle out of me as well. So that was. That was quite fun. And before we move on, Sebastian Vettel fifth! Yeah! <laughs> we'll take that, baby. We'll take that. He's got some, in his own words, and the got church some is rebuilt again. bag. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have some oh. of that. Thank you very much. Right. Should we talk about IndyCar, folks? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I only have one thing to say in response to this. Death taxes pancakes sorry <laughs> these are not mutually exclusive <laughs> depends on the occasion um <laughs> there was drama at both ends of the grid in the final for qualifying as scott dixon qualified on pole for the fourth time in his career with rc ennison and charlie kimball missing the cut on bump day there were many an eye-popping highlight over the course of the weekend including team penske struggling with not a single car in the top 10 and two cars in the last row shootout, one of them being Will Friggin' Power, former winner of this race, and Simone Di Silvestro. We also had Dalton Keddett using gamesmanship within the rules to get the final guaranteed spot in P30 on Saturday, and yet more positive news for the youth movement with Renus VK and Colton Herter also sharing the front row with Dixon. Now, we've got some fun things to break down, some not-so-fun things to break down here, but my first point, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say, ladies and gents, that um, the biggest surprise of the weekend was probably Penske's struggles. Um, we know they're not necessarily the best around the Indy 500 layout, but this was real bad. And like, I, I wanted to talk to you guys and say, well, just how shocking was it? And is this a potentially season-ending month of May? Well, as, as Cam <laughs> takes a drink... Uh, <laughs> I can't see, so I, I, I just have to plow on through that. Uh, this is really good whiskey. <laughs> Holy shit. Fair enough. Oh, oh. As Cam takes a drink, things look bad in time trials for Fensky, but... Uh, it is a long, long race. It is 500 miles. There's a lot of time for them to make up ground through the field and get a respectable finish in the race. Don't know if they'll be in, have a car in position for the win, but they'll 
the entire race is now based on the four lap run in time trials. <laughs> right. I mean, it was something that the 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 highest up of the Penske ones was their Kiwi Scott McLaughlin, who has never done the race before. Yeah. yeah. And when you think about the the level of quality in the other seats, I mean. Permanent championship threat, Joseph Newgarden. Winner of this race, Will Friggin' Power. <laughs> uh, Simon Pagano. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and Simona Di Silvestro, who... How quickly we forget, uh, before the debacle of the Lotus IndyCar engine saga... Oh, that shit burns. Um, she was quite handy in an Indy car. Mm. Mm. I know. I mean, and she... all week they were just—they mm. just had no speed. Mm. I mean, we did have someone thinking that they were sandbagging, but when you have willpower, Christopher trans- DeHardy. Yeah, we're calling him out. Christopher DeHardy <laughs> said that he thought that Penske were sandbagging, and that when time trials came around, they were going to be one of the fastest teams out there. Well, well, I I mean, it was that kind of a, we have seen how, to put it nicely, demented Will will get if something isn't going right. (laughs) Demented, wow. We saw it last year when Mm. uh, he kept wanting to go out to try and get into the fast nine Mm. with Simon and Joseph basically have to pull him to one side and say, we're not going to make it, stop. And this year, he was supposed to be on Marshall Pruitt's podcast um, on the Friday night and basically Mm -hmm. phoned Marshall to say, I'm not doing this. I need to be in the garage. He needs to put work towards qualifying. I mean, Roger would not, Roger and Tim would not let one of their main guys who they know can get so trapped in his head get in that state if they're sandbagging. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, just to put it in perspective for bump day, Will Power left everything and a little bit more on the line. Um, the run that did get him in the field was piss poor. It was slow. Uh, Penske's, all, all, all five Penske and Penske affiliate cars had no rear wing wickers, maximum front wing strikes, and terminal understeer. Mm. Yeah. Which is not how it should work. Um, Will Power... Hit the wall. Bounced off it. Bound, a little more than a bounce. <laughs> bent the, he bent took the, half uh, the emblem off. <laughs> yep, took all the Firestone lettering off the tire, knocked the toe out of it, and Will said himself, he just went into turn three and turn four, not really caring whether <laughs> the car had terminal damage or not, because he was going to make the Indy 500 or crash that it, car trying. <laughs> And he yeah. did. And just, Two, at 230 miles an hour. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to say and nothing of uh, Simona, who again just scraped into the field. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Not I a mean, lot of pace. Go ahead, Zoe. I have a lot of thoughts on Simona and her team. I'm going to leave that for the moment. But going into the bump day, Simona and Will were hyping each other up. Once they found that they'd got in after sort of hugging and uh, high-fiving and, fist- and 
fist bumping with their teams. They went to each other and hugged each other. Like, <laughs> there's there's a level of camaraderie and escaping, <laughs> being sent home for <laughs> your crown jewel. This race is everything <laughs> in this discipline. It is the only race that matters at the end of the day. It, it is it is uh, half the season's prize purse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and ah. Uh, it's just, when you see the guy who won three years ago hugging, almost breaking down, crying, happy to be making it in the field. Relief. To see, mm-hmm. to see Pagano, who... <sighs> <laughs> to see Pagano, <laughs> who got an emphatic pole position... And ground the field to dust in 2019. Qualify P26 and basically say there's nothing left in it. (laughs) This is a team that has won this race 18 times. This is the team that owns this race. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not good enough. And it's not like they were complacent after last year. Last year, they could blame it all on Chevy. This year, there's two Chevys. One of them's on the front row. One of them's on the second row. Yeah, Both yeah. from Ed Carpenter Racing. Yeah. This and is even, if you, even if you look past the Carpenter cars, Arrow McLaren were fast as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were just outside it. Penske, Penske and Foyt were the two... I'm going to say they were the two worst teams here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Point blank. And at least Foyt got three of their four cars over the line mm-hmm. still. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I mean, Charles in our chat sums it up better than I could. Hinch described Powell's run as the most incredible thing he'd ever seen. Um, just, uh, there's bravery and then there's that. I mean, like, like, like Cam summed it up better than I ever could. It was relief mm-hmm. was that was, I think more than anything else was the look on Will Powell's mm-hmm. face. It was relief. He had just barely got in and made the show. And if anything, they they got very lucky that Kimball and Ennison were a definite, like, a good mile an hour slower than everybody else, really, on paper. Um, we, and they, they never really looked like challenging. Um, we should really mention look- the other guy on the back row. Yeah. The man who yes. has spent pretty much every Indy 500 he's qualified... In 31st, Siege Carol. <laughs> the homeboy. Yes. The homeboy. I mean, yeah. he, he was, he went, got 31st. And I mean, again, you saw the camaraderie within the field. You had Marco, you had Alex, you had Connor and his switchblade comb. <laughs> <laughs> so old school. <laughs> They actually had to get moved. They were originally when they were wait- sort of standing there, they were in Sage's pit box, and Ryan Royan Bolt ba- like members basically went and went. Can you just move out the box because they didn't want anything to get them disqualified. Mm. No chances whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we've we've I've said on Twitter before we've turned Karam into a bit of an inside bit on this show. But uh, delighted he got mm-hmm. in. Um, he's he's a good boy, Sage. Really, he's and, a wholesome um, boy. He's a wholesome boy. He just boy. forgets and, about shirts sometimes. And we're glad he we're glad he got in. 
Like, it, 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 like a, a, a 500 without willpower would have been catastrophic. Um, so, of course, I'm glad he got I mean, in. Then, um, this, like, and, I was, like I was beginning to touch on, Top Gun got their car a month ago. The Anderson's team. Um, shame the Johnny Lightning special misses the field. Uh, I know. That livery, that livery doesn't deserve all that pain. <laughs> but uh, For a month, that was a hell of an effort. <laughs> like... Even even qualifying this far down, even if they pull something out in the race and Penske's race pace looks mid at best, mm. there's going to be one hell of a post-mortem on this whole month, really, And uh, in that shop. Guess which title contenders are at the front of the field? Scott Dixon and Alex Pillow. Yeah. yeah. On the I'm other here, end okay. of... On the good side of the spectrum... <laughs> All four Chip Ganassi cars made the fast nine. <laughs> they were they had devastating qualifying pace. Uh, really, and, go ahead, King. Yeah, and, and based on all the previous runnings of this races, uh, if you if you qualify within the first three rows, your chance of winning the race itself is fifty percent. <laughs> 50-50, and they've got four shots at this. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> oh, gee, uh, oh, I mean... God. Uh, well, let's look at who they've got. Uh, oh, an Indy 500 winner and an Indy 500 winner and one of the most sensational young drivers in the series. And, uh, Marcus Erickson. <laughs> Sorry, <Well>. Toki. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, when, when, you, when you run the numbers... In any Indianapolis 500, there's a 50% chance the winner will come from the Fast 9, and Chip Ganassi Racing has four of, the, four of the nine cars in the Fast 9. So, it is close to a 25% chance that a Ganassi car will win this race. Yeah, I make it about 22%. That's... Mm. I, I, if you'd have offered Team Penske a 22% chance to win the 500 without even running the race, Roger would bite your arm off. Um, <laughs> right here and there. Well, well what, what percentage did the Mercedes-Saurus give him? Oh, <laughs> I give it about a 100. <laughs> Does that include the 2% margin of error? Um, <laughs> that, uh, came, that came into effect for 1995. Yeah, so uh, it's why we could often, it's why we might be able to sit here and say this could be a catastrophic month of May for Penske in terms of the overall championship. That said, the, that said, Carb Day was today as a recording, mm-hmm. and Scott Dixon led. Second place, Simon Pagano. Third place, Joseph Newgarden. Hmm. Hmm. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, obviously, a lot of changes have been made to make the race conditions better than last year, but we don't know what overtaking's gonna be like until we actually start racing. Yeah, much cooler conditions than last year. That's kind of a given because we're running in May, not August. <laughs> and uh, a I, bunch I of quite like to qualifying in August. I must say. Oh, stop really? it, you really. <laughs> Yeah, you see, we got her on the show. She's only just reconstituted herself after the explosion of joy <laughs> from that qualifying session. That's what you call it, yeah? <laughs> I, I, I mean, the other thing with the, the fast line that needs to be noted is how close Colton was to ruining because they two basically... <laughs> were 
just hammer blows for pull. I think of the note, the margin was 0. 0.03 of a mile per hour over uh-huh. four laps. Because over uh, 10 miles. Uh-huh. I, I think they made a lot. Ganassi made a last minute adjustment to Dixon's car off of that. And he was like, don't tell me, and just trusted them. <laughs> yeah. While having a head cold. Yeah. Man's Dixon. a bit good. What I love about this Fast 9, and uh, well then we'll, mm. move, we'll move on to our next uh, next couple of points, is it really is a little bit of everything. Mm. A whole lot of experience. Drivers who last year were out of the series, looking at uh, the end of their career. Mm-hmm. And the new guard. All kind of mixed in with each other. Mm. Fascinating. It's a fascinating line. I mean, and Marcus Erickson. And Marcus Ever- Erickson. <laughs> he's new. Uh, he's new. <laughs> he's he's Toki. new. He's off. <laughs> Toki, <we're into> you. <laughs> um, Marcus Erickson would like to offer you some chalky whiskey. Um, <laughs> Cam, please stop drinking profusely on the show. I don't want to have to call an ambulance. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I don't have to talk about Penske anymore. I just yes. I just, I just, I'm just gonna put it away. I'm just gonna put it away. Good, 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 good man. Good man. Um, now to, to talk about some of the inner workings of qualifying itself and bump day. We've got to break down a couple of angles. And the first one was on Saturday, right at the end of Saturday, where they were locking in positions 10 through 30, and the the guys that were guaranteed to make the show. <laughs> we had some late drama towards the end of that with. Uh, Let's just say a creative use of the rules by Foyt and the and the Dalton Kellett crew. Who, even um, before then. Even before then, we were seeing cars shuffle in, shuffle out. We were seeing literal like like traffic jams in pit lane determining who was gonna get into the queues first. It was it was chaos. It was it was chaos on Look, the fast lanes. It's not about who runs fastest, it's who runs when. And who yes. I can make run when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, King, help me out on this one because this is it took like <laughs> some of the some of the biggest brains we have on our Discord server and we still tripped ourselves up trying to figure this out. But I believe Dalton Kellett had his car parked in the fast lane with about seven minutes to go. Um and as the queue went on, it was it was almost like you know how in soccer how a team will time waste towards the end of the clock. Um, they were stretching it out as long as they possibly could before they had to go out and run. Um, but because Kellett's time was already in thirtieth when he started his run and went again, it was like it was resetting the benchmark to get in. Like it's. So, uh, so when you think about, uh, in terms of making the field or not being, mm. uh, so on, on the first day on Saturday, it was being 30th, that being the benchmark mm. on, mm. on Sunday it was being 33rd. If you are, if you are in, if your time is in a locked in spot in the field, it exists. If if you're outside of that, you might as well have not had a time at all. Yes. Right. And you combine that rule with Colton sitting in lane two um, Kelly. Effect, 
effectively time wasting <laughs> until the end. I mean, it, it it nearly worked. It didn't quite work because Simona got to run in with seven seconds to go <laughs> before the gun went off. <sighs> it, it, it it didn't matter in the end because Simona's time didn't get her in. It got her into thirty first, which you know the, got the her first one last for a shit out. But yeah, <laughs> the fundamental problem was that. Not so much that the rule was hard to understand, it's that the official broadcast of NBC, or rather Peacock, uh, didn't actually explain this while it was happening. So mm. we watched Will go out and set a time that should have been good enough to get him in, but because of the circumstances, he effectively had no time at all. Yeah. Mm. Because also another thing that they didn't explain, because... I would say it's equivalent to the to the offside rule in football, where it's mm. like, uh, so the fast lane, the lane where you get to jump the queue and get to go ahead of people in the slow line. Uh, the caveat <laughs> of doing that is that you lose your time. They didn't specify when you lose your time. Everyone just assumed you lose the time once you roll off to start your run. No, the minute you queue up in the fast lane, you lose your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that wasn't clear when, as the broadcast was going on. We thought, at the time we were watching it, if I remember correctly, we all thought it was mm-hmm. when you set off. Yeah, um, like, it, it even seemed that, uh, like, that some of the drivers are confused. Like, on uh-huh. Saturday, it looked like Will Power had no idea that he didn't make the field mm-hmm. until the session was over, and he realized he lost his time. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was, because he was too behind Keller in the queue as the time was going, and Simona had the last run, like with, with seconds to go left in, in, in the day's qualifying. So Power lost his time, despite the fact he was in the queue and didn't get a chance to set another to set another time, essentially. Yeah. So uh, yeah, does this actually work? Like, is it some? Is it more a case of the rule is too confusing, or is it a case of just? not so great broadcasting on Peacock's end. I'd say it's a combination of both. I'd say first in terms of the rules, uh it it feels like it, it's it, it's <laughs> it's a relic of a bygone age when qualifying was two weeks long. And it's like, oh it's okay it's- we can't run today. We'll come back tomorrow. Not well, a big deal. Wait wait a minute. Are you are you defying Indy 500 tradition? Next, you're going to drink orange juice. Come on, gang. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I I agree. It feels like this is a rule that probably should have gone away years ago. Because, mm. let, let's be clear, we're not on the original month of May format anymore and haven't been for quite a while. No. The tradition really isn't... It shouldn't really... It shouldn't really stick around for something so arbitrary. Yeah, because we're we're at the point where the chance of you making the field or not is not down to mm. a matter of hours, but it's a matter of seconds. And yeah. when the margins are this fine, the rules have to be very concrete. There can't be any, like leeway or misunderstanding involved we have to be certain about who is in the field or not especially right. when the the difference between starting the race and missing the race is up to the range of half a million dollars i mean we even saw it with the dump the bump day in regards to what counts as cooling the car yeah because Which is in our 
That's in our next point. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll segue into that nicely because we watched Bump Day on Sunday, and for lack of a better term, it was dull. It was yeah. dull because it was an it was a ninety minute session. Everybody got the, their first runs in, and then we basically sat there for forty five minutes with a new rule that had come into play for Bump Day now, where the cars there was no artificial cooling of the car. So, yeah. for, for lack of context, it takes about, I mean, as Paul Tracy explained on commentary, it takes about 45, 50 minutes for a car to cool down under its own climate to be able to yeah. go for a run. So we sat there after the first runs for a good 50 minutes with no action whatsoever. It was only the last 10 minutes or so we saw guys that were outside the show, Edison and obviously Edison and, and Kellett, um, I'm sorry, Kimball, I should say, um, trying to try to have one last run to try and get into the show and obviously failing. Um, but, I mean... I, I, so, it, it didn't like, work, did it? You are allowed to artificially cool your car, but the penalty of doing so, which they didn't make clear at the time, is that you're that your time on the board would be deleted. And also a part of the rules is that, which I think is a fair part, this next part is that you're not allowed to go out and set a time again unless you're not in the field. So mm. if That's you fair. go out again, you know, like you're just straight up not allowed to go again. Like you mm-hmm. can't, you can't forfeit your time. Uh, well, you could if you artificially cool your car, but again, that's, you know, it's it's like it's trying to prevent what happened in the previous uh the previous day with what Kellett did mm-hmm. effectively running block at the end of uh qualifying in theory on bump day you could just have the people who are already in the field just keep running and not let the people who actually need to get into the field yes uh, run out on track Though, because you can't artificially cool your car, meaning that if someone not in the field beats your time, uh, guess what? You're gonna have to just you're, uh, you're screwed. You can't. You can't. You don't have enough time to prepare your car to go again. You're just not in the field. And same deal. With, I mean, you couldn't change tires. You could only adjust tire pressures and wing angles. Oh no, you could. Uh, you could change which... tires. Hmm. Yeah, you could change yeah. your tires. Yeah, that's right, this is the other thing, but it wasn't that. quite clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's spoiling spo- spo- a pattern here about the broadcast. Yeah. Table any charts. <laughs> yeah, you know, because... it's, all, it's all fun with Townsend and PT t- sometimes, and uh, <laughs> Lee Diffie, and they're great at what they do. But it feels like during the, these broadcasts, it felt a little more like they were just kind of in a commentary booth having fun with each other while the qualifying session just mm. so happened to be happening in the uh-huh. background. Mm. Uh. I mean, they even like obviously like they they were broadcasting the the draw for the for what the order everyone was going to do their runs in, and it was like they hadn't originally planned to be doing that, mm-hmm. and it ended up kind of just being a uh, Townsend, and it wasn't um Kevin Lee. It's in our one of their the pet reporters was just randomly interviewing people and they would then go, oh yeah, and this person's pulled this for this person. No. And it's like... It just felt... It's like, that, when you think that of how much... Cool seen. 
When you think of how much production value that NBC has put into the, the actual mm-hmm. showing of the race, uh, showing of the actual cars out on track, they've done an excellent job. Mm-hmm. It feels like the the human element of it isn't quite up to scratch with the camera production values that they've been putting into it. Because it, it is... I wouldn't say a symptom of modern sports broadcasting, but it's, especially if you're one of the presenters, you can't be in a situation where you say nothing. Because if, mm-hmm. you, if you're not doing anything, you're not valuable to the company. Mm-hmm. And when you're, if your contract's on the line, you're going to, you're going to want to be involved. You're going to want to grab someone for an interview to show that, hey, uh, you should keep me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but in, try, in trying so hard to not say nothing... They didn't say a whole lot of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I I mean, we're suppose we're not getting Paul Tracy for the full suit because he has other commitments. So hopefully, six rounds this year. Um, hopefully, um, a driver who is coming in for the five hundred coverage. They may be able to convince her to go into the the commentary booth. Wouldn't mind yeah. that at all. I'd quite like that. Well, <laughs> it'd be awkward to get a chance in the commentary booth if he's on a pit box. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. The one, the other, the other one with long black. Or I, I suppose Dyer's not got long hair at the moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Miss Patrick. Oh, uh, she, she, she's she's not coming back. Uh, unfortunately, she's not, she's she's done with motorsport. No, Bulls. no, in the commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, she's done completely. No, no broadcast, no anything. She's done. No, she's. But isn't she involved in the five hundred again this year? No nope. commentary, or she's not even do. I thought she was still doing the presentation stuff. Nope. Nope. Oh bugger. <laughs> it's a shame because I think because she, she last time we met, last year I thought she was uh-huh, darn she was solid really as a good. broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Um, which just leaves one big question, and I'm giving you guys, sorry, RJ, um, an opportunity here to change your pick. Knowing what we now know, going into the race this weekend, who do you think wins it now? No, no, my pick's still looking real strong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember what I... I think I just killed the brain cells that remember what I picked, and I don't remember anyone else's pick either. You stuck with your mans. I stuck with my mans. um, And I picked Rossi. And I picked Polo. Not bad at all. Uh, Not not a bad shout at all. Um, I really think... uh, I really think Sunday's race... Judging on what we've seen so far is going to be a fight between the top two in qualifying. Mm-hmm. I really think it's going to be the Dixon v. Herder show. Uh-huh. And based on their speed so far, I I can't pick between them. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Well, I... the Alex Rossi guy's been a bit mid this year, so pro- yeah. I'm, I'm probably out of the running on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, as uh, the, the one person who didn't pick... <laughs> sure. Uh, Floor is yours, I mean, I, I'm probably going with Hertha. Of my my boys, Hertha is kind of the obvious one. Uh, Will, unfortunately, Kensky. 
When can we say that about this series? Ah, it just <laughs> sucks that he's stuck in a Penske. Uh, yeah. What yeah. kind yeah. of yeah. fucked up alternate timeline? Mm. Basically a bat marker. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marco, they may have possibly fixed everything with his car, but he's 25th. So... The problem now yeah. is that we're we're not going to know how these cars race mm-hmm. until they do. Uh-huh. Now, if if these cars can race mm-hmm. like they could in 2019, I'd still pick Pagano. Mm-hmm. But we just don't know because last mm-hmm. year I picked Pagano and he went a uh, some total of nowhere, <laughs> as did everyone else who wasn't in the top three positions. And the thing is yeah. that even if you can't overtake your track position, still key. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are ways outside of your own control where you could lose track position even though you're in a faster car. Mm-hmm. Where uh, uh, unopportune yellow comes out in the middle of a pit cycling and suddenly you're in the middle of the field with the fastest car. Mm-hmm. And like literally anything could happen in this event yeah. and it usually does. I mean, honestly, I know who probably my biggest winner is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Liquor. Of course. Yes. <laughs> I have. I, I literally, when I was in Costco today, I saw they had Hotel Chocolat, Salty Caramel, Chocolate Cream Liqueur, and I thought, yep, that'll go nice. Half of the podcast resulted to drinking. <laughs> I've got straight like, like dry I said whiskey. The, like I said at the start of the, When it was qualifying, I saw Marco qualify. Announced I was going to make myself a drink. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and I made here. myself a milkshake with where I just ice cream, milk, and then just poured in I don't know how much Baileys, don't know how much Kalula, came back through with it in a mug, and before the fifth card even left, I had finished it. Oh I had not eaten it all that day. It was very obvious. This this bottle of whiskey was quite a bit higher when I started this podcast, mm-hmm. and now it's not. Right out of the worst in everybody. King, help us out here. <laughs> yeah, but I'd just say, if you know, if you're anyone, especially mm-hmm. the three cars in the last row, it's all about mm-hmm. simply surviving mm-hmm. because there will be accidents, mm-hmm. and just run long. Just go as long as you can on your tank mm-hmm. of fuel as you can be the last to take your stops, you'll you'll move up the field. Yeah. Uh, don't know how far you'll move up the field, but you'll start moving up the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. And above, uh, can... I mentioned, mentioned uh, the inevitable thing with this race and the danger. Of course, we hope everyone in the 500 mm-hmm. comes out the other side in good health. Of course. Um, it's possible okay if I have a slight soap, soapbox moment. Okay. Okay, <laughs> sure, why not? Just I have regards... like five per episode. <laughs> <laughs> just in regards to uh, Simone Di and Team Petra. Now, I have grown up with motorsport. I grew up with F1 originally and then discovered IndyCar. Uh, when I was younger and I watched F1, I never really questioned why the only women that seemed to be around uh, were either sort of, um, they were either sort of the the sort of glamour, or it was the PR girl following the driver around, going, "This is who you need to speak to now," or with the tape recorder underneath them. 
the first female that I know I properly noticed that wasn't doing that was Louise Goodman as a pit lane reporter. And then 2006, Indy 500, thought Mario Andretti was in the race, but there was also a female driver. And ever since then, there's always been female drivers in IndyCar. And like even back in 2015, when Grace Autosport was announced, I remembered my reaction was, why? Why do we need this in IndyCar? Because I can see that there's female drivers. I could see there was female uh, personnel in other teams. Why did we need this? I was a lot younger then. But now looking at what Petra, what sport is doing, and even like the impact that's having, how it's, it's pe- women who never thought about going into, F- into motorsport but would have loved the chance. These women have been like going to Penske, like up at God knows what hour to go to the Penske um, base to practice pit stops. Like they have given everything to get the chance to do this. And we've already seen sort of, sort of the sort of impact that's had. We've had um we've had girls who they've seen how the the pit all the, the women on the pits have their hair braided and they're copying that because that's cool, that's and it's they're doing this, but they're also doing this thing that's so different, so out there from what you normally see women doing. And I'm definitely appreciating it a lot more this time than when I've heard things for getting more women involved in motorsport in the past. I don't know whether it's because it's not kind of in its own wee bubble like it normally is. It's actually within like a series. It's in something that's still going and it's something where it's they're planning for the future. They want to do more. And they're already talking about trying to do something with Force Indy to try and continue a ladder with them. They they want a presence here mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because uh-huh. I think last year, well, not last year, uh, was sort of that warning sign for everyone in IndyCar where... Uh, female participation in not only the 500, but on it in the series is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That, especially just heading towards that warning trend where there was definitely a foreseeable future where there was going to be no female driver mm-hmm. in the series at all and no female driver in the road to Indy. Mm-hmm. And what I think they're only, they're only about three women in, in the road to Indy at the moment. Uh, there's... And and the, they're in like the, the starting runs at the moment. Yeah, and uh, and as as good the road to Indy is on getting talent up the ladder, it's not everyone gets to go up. So mm-hmm. having two or three at the bottom pretty much means you're probably going to have one or zero make it to Indy lights. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, a a point of purpose for the series in general that they need to have 
They need to set what the basement is on female participation. They need to ensure that there is some representation going further, or or they're going to end up like Europe, where there's almost no women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a unique opportunity to set the table, something that Europe is still struggling to come to terms with. And uh yeah, it's there there is an opportunity to set a benchmark there, and I, I hope um mm. Simona making the show and I hope Beth and the team and don't get me wrong, this is a phenomenal achievement to even make the show. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I hope And a pain <laughs> in a Penske of all things. Look, look, um, I hope it's the first step in many. Indianapolis is hollowed grounds, no matter where you start. It is one piece of the Triple Crown. To be there is a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. And I am incredibly happy that Simona made the show. I'm disappointed that the equipment wasn't up to scratch for what we've seen her be able to do. And I mm-hmm. hope that in the future, uh, that team can improve and climb their way up the grid. Because mm-hmm. once you prove that you can, that it can be done, there's no limit. Indeed. Well said, Zoe. And uh, yeah, and on that on that note, best best it's time we get out of here. But um, um, a bit late. we'll a bit late <laughs> for us for half the show anyway. Um, but we soldiered through. Um, in ca- fingers crossed this will be up before Sunday but if, if, if it is just so you know we'll also be on YouTube with a live watch along of the 500 as well um, hope to, to, to see you guys all there for that this is also for you guys on YouTube that are still watching along there's over like we're in double digits still despite the fact it's half past like 20 to 1 in the morning UK time <laughs> yeah, so thank the, uh... you to everyone who stuck it out um, I do yeah, really the, appreciate it. Eleven of it. you, you are you are soldiers because this uh, this did not start well. We thank it you didn't, so much but for uh, we're incredibly grateful. So thank you very much for that. Hope to see you guys on Sunday on Sunday evening for the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indy 500. And of course, we'll be talking about that as well as MotoGP at Mugello uh, next week as well. Hope you guys look forward to that one. And like again, we've barely even mentioned it, but one of the Blue Ribbon events of MotoGP this year, almost guaranteed to Classic. be entertaining. Hey, if we're gonna take Monaco off of the, and it wasn't a bad Monaco Grand Prix by Monaco Grand Prix standards. But uh, if we're going to replace it for classic season, Mugello ain't half bad. Not ain't at all. Bad. Mugello Moto 3 is one of the highlights of the motorsport calendar all year long. They'll be going five wide into turn one, and we're all going to blow our nuts off. It's going it to be the hilarious. One, it is the one guaranteed, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me, out of ten on the Pretty scale much. every <laughs> single year. Pretty we much. So be there. there for it. Also, small chance of rain on Sunday. Just thought I'd point that one out there. Um, but uh, MotoGP and Magello next week, as well as a full review of the Indy 500 as well. So uh, welcome to classic season. It should be fun for all involved. Housekeeping before we get out of here. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. If you watched us along and you haven't already, please subscribe. Thanks for the compliments in the chat, Daniel. Much appreciated. Subscribe if you haven't already. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Uh, personal handles at Harrison101HD, at CBuckley917, at Ryan Eric King, at Wee Zoe. I know he's not here right now, but subscribe to... Follow RJ as well. RJ O'Connell. Follow him as well. Um, we're on Motorsport 101 pod on Instagram. Patreon. Yep. say about RJ, just yep. put out a uh, nice written piece preview for the 500 mm. 
Um, we told him that if he put in the same amount of work that he does with Japanese motorsport, that his IndyCar content would turn out great. I think it turned out fantastic. Yeah. Go check no. it out. Do your thing, RJ. You're brilliant <laughs> at this. For God's sake. We have to tell Don't yell into fucking... the mic. You're cliffing <laughs> like hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just a... it's late. Uh... Forgive me. But uh, yes, follow RJ and follow his work on race fans as well. He's doing great content over there. And I'm sure he will do so long into the future. But uh, yes, patreon.com forward slash motorsport one one if you haven't already. Um, five bucks gets you early access to all of our audio shows. Ten for the supporters club to the Discord where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. And on-demand video early access as well. We'll be back for Classic Season Week 2 next week. MotoGP at Mugello and... The Indy 500. Can't wait. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. I've been, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley, Ryan Eric King, and Zoe Hamilton. Until next time, sayonara. Waiting it all. Tapping out. Tapping out. Cam, <laughs> put the bottle down, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>